Welcome to the third Care Home Management Magazine podcast. My name's Steve Hemsley. I'm the uh, publishing editor of Care Home Management Magazine. Our podcast, as always, kindly sponsored by myaco.com, learning and employee engagement made easy. So thank you to them. Uh, also joining me here today, as usual, is uh, Alan Ruster. Thanks. It's great to be back. We've got a very interesting lineup today. We have indeed. We've got uh, Professor Martin Green. Uh, really interested to hear what he has to say. He's been talking to uh, the magazine's editor, Elsa Cahoon. Uh, Martin Green, obviously from Care England. Uh, stay listening for that. Really interesting uh, interview. And uh, Alan, you spoke to Amanda Lighton from Exemplar Healthcare. That's right. She's now operations director, but she began just at ground level as being a carer. And it shows how well she's done to get to board level and to prove to others that it can be done. And keep listening right to the end because we've got a very interesting interview with a lady called uh, Tarun uh, Chauhan. She is a CQC improvement consultant and a bit of a, a mentor for care home managers. So if you need any help with running your business, any help with your inspections, uh, don't panic. Uh, she is a lady for use. But, uh, but first, as uh, always, we are having a look at the Care in the News. Care in the News, a review of this week's headlines. Well, joining us now is the editor of Care Home Management magazine, Elsa Cahoon. Thanks for joining us, Elsa. Uh, as always, we like to look at some of the big uh, care stories. And I know there's two that we've chosen today. You've chosen one and uh, Alan has uh, chosen one. So for you, Elsa, what um, is the big news of the day? For me, the key story of um, this week is the appointment of Kate Taroni, who is the new Chief Inspector of Adult Social Care at the CQC. Um, for our readers, it, she's the Chief Inspector of Care Homes and uh, for England. And um, this is obviously welcome because she takes over from Andrea Sutcliffe, who left in December. Um, although there's been an interim appointment um, with uh, Debbie Westhead, who's been holding the fort since Andrea left, um, clearly, you know, a, a substantive appointment is is what the industry is looking after, is looking for, um, with um, to provide some stability and and some um, uh, you know some knowledge going forward. I have been in contact with her this morning, so that's hopefully something we can we can do in the future for um, care home management readers. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, the, the Care Quality Commission has come under fire fairly recently about uh, changeovers in senior staffing and also its policy uh, when it has to take enforcement action against a home, particularly closing a home. Um, it's come under quite a lot of fire for that recently. So um, certainly the Care Quality Commission will be hoping that uh, Kate's appointment um, will do something to dismiss those fears. Uh, so Alan, what do, you, what do you think about the appointment? Well, it's a hard act to follow. Andrea Sutcliffe has made quite an impression during her time there. She set the bar pretty high, I think think. Um, I think that's probably just as well that she had, but it is a hard act to follow and it'll keep care homes on their toes with a new uh, hand on the broom. Um, But so long as they are on their toes and they're realising that the CQC are being fair, reasonable and fair, I think that's all they can hope for. Great. And um, you've got a story, Alan, about catering and the story, I think, in the in the mirror is where you saw it, but it has been elsewhere, uh, about the money that's spent on meals in care homes, which is quite uh, concerning. Yes, it's really disappointing. It's some research from Sheffield Hallam University, which has revealed that uh, many council-funded residents uh, have only £2.44 pence spent on them for food and drink for a whole day. Now, that is a pretty disgraceful sum of money. It's really disappointing, but because what the Sheffield Hallam University research revealed is that those 
care homes in better off areas of the country could be spending perhaps up to £5 or more per head, but that the council-funded care homes are spending £2.44. And it's really important that uh, care considers the importance of nutrition. Um, it's, it's always been a big part of the day in a care home, lunchtime, uh, as a big social gathering, and they need the good nutrition, and you're not going to do it on £2.44. No, I absolutely agree. I'm not sure what you think, Elsa, but that point Alan made about uh, nutrition and, uh, and well-being, I suppose, these we should all be a bit, bit concerned about these numbers. Well, I mean, I just think you have to ask yourself, you know, what could, what, what could you go out and buy on the street for, you know, £2.50 or even, even £5, you know, in terms of um, nutrition, nutrition, catering, drinks. Yes, and what I think is so disappointing in all this is that the National Association of Care Catering has gone to great lengths to try and raise standards in care homes. They have an annual Chef of the Year. Chefs who are explicitly working in care homes know how to get value for money when it's needed, but produce good meals for their residents. And I think that is something uh, that they should be commended on. Uh, and that's, you know, care homes really need to take this all on board. It's really disappointing. Great. Thank you, Alan. And thank you, Elsa. Uh, so, Elsa, you're uh, getting ready for the next issue, I suppose. I mean, we're end of January, February. Is it an uh, important time? Is the spring an important time for the magazine? Uh, yes. Well, February is the, the month that we actually start our production cycle proper for the, the March issue. So uh, we're starting work on um, our, our next issue now. And uh, we're look, going to be looking, funnily enough, um, and, and topically, we're going to be looking at food and nutrition. Um, we're actually going to be looking at the uh, at special care for bariatric patients. Um, I mean, it's very easy to think of care homes as, as just old, frail people um, and that malnourishment is, is the big challenge, which of course it is, and that, that is certainly the, um, you know, the biggest challenge facing care homes. But equally, of course, and, and as, we, as we go on, um, with people get, coming into care with chronic conditions, um, specialist nutritional care is going to become perhaps a bit more the order of the day. We're also going to to be looking quite a lot at staffing issues um, for managers so recruitment leadership training well thank you very much Elsa and remember if you are listening and you want to receive care home management magazine you can get that for free if you're a care home manager uh, director or owner just email us at uh, editorial at chm online .co.uk. Right, uh, Elsa, we're really looking forward to listening to your interview with Professor uh, Martin uh, Green. That must have been quite an enlightening uh, interview. Well, yes, I mean it was a it was a timely interview because we've just had the uh, we've we've just had the long uh, the NHS long term plan, and uh, it was very interesting to get his thoughts on um, how care homes might develop their offering um, to become the the community hub, the one stop shop um, for health and well being in the community. Um, it's an interesting proposition position it's certainly one that quite a few people in the in the um the nhs care continuum want to get their hands on um so it'll be interesting to see how care homes make their play for that for daily care home news visit chmonline.co.uk Right, well, now we are ready to hear uh, Elsa's interview with uh, Professor Martin Green. He heads up uh, Care England and he was telling Elsa about what we can expect in the Green paper. 
and his hopes for care homes in 2019. So uh, I'm talking today with uh, Professor Martin Green, who is the Chief Executive of Care England. Thank you very much, Martin, for calling in and speaking to us today. Thank you very much. It's a good opportunity for me to uh, to have a chat with you all. Excellent. Well, um, my colleague uh, on, on care home management, Steve Hemsley, met you at the Westminster Forum event in, in mid-January. And uh, you spoke there about the need for a visionary and radical green paper. Now, um, I think at the moment people would possibly be happy with any kind of green paper, never mind a, vi- a, a visionary and radical one. But are you hopeful and uh, do you feel optimistic that we're likely to get exactly that? Well, I think I'm optimistic that we will get a green paper. I'm not sure how radical it will be, but I think increasingly I'm of the view that the radicalism and the challenge that needs to come in social care will not come from government. So I think we in social care need to start thinking creatively about how we change the way we do things to meet changing needs. And so if there is not a degree of radicalism in the green paper, I think we've got to lead that agenda for ourselves. Do do you feel that care homes um, feel equipped and and motivated at the moment to to bring in their own radical and visionary plan? Um, It's been a tough couple of years for care homes. It has been a very tough couple of years. And what I would say is a lot of care homes are in that space where they realize it's been tough. They realize they've got to start thinking about how they make sure that they secure their own future. And they realize that publicly funded provision is not going to make their services sustainable. So on the one hand, we need to be really clear about saying we need a funding settlement that gives us long-term sustainability. But we also need to be clear that with the lack of money in the public sector, what we have to do is to start thinking creatively about how we diversify our services, look for new markets, how we occupy the space, which is about the integration of health and social care, how we can provide services from a care home that might be applicable to people who are living close by, but say looking after somebody who's living with dementia. So I think what we have to do is to say we're in a position where the current system is on a bit of a burning platform. So we've got to create a new uh, approach to care and support. And I think care homes are well placed to do that. And what they will try and do is do it in cooperation with the current system. But if the current system is uncooperative, then I think there are things that some care homes will do which are outside that and they'll lead the agenda. And what, what might that be? What uh, Where might that outside the, the box space be, do you think? Well, I think, for example, if you look at a care home, I think it could be the hub for the management of long-term conditions in a local area. So, for example, we might want to see care homes using some of their public space for days and support services. They might want to think about whether or not they can provide night support for people who are living with dementia and have nocturnal patterns and some difficult behaviours that need to be supported. We might also see them thinking about forming a strategic partnership with, say, a local charity so they could get the people who want to use their services onto a direct payment so they had the money to pay for them or indeed onto attendance allowance so there was more money within that system. We might see services such as laundry services being provided for people who live locally who might be looking after somebody with a long-term condition and who will bring their laundry to the care home rather than having it going out to a laundry service or what 
whatever. So I think there are some really good ways in which care homes can start creating new services, which will be then funded by individuals, some of which individuals will have their own money to fund, some of which they will use the money they can access, but they as the individual will be controlling the budget rather than the local authority. So there are lots of ways in which we can innovate, change the paradigm, put the money in the hands of the consumer and respond to the needs of that person. Does the um, does the, the publication recently of the uh, NHS long-term plan give you um, a little bit more hope for this, this new vision for care homes? Because that spoke quite specifically about the need for um, integrated multidisciplinary teams um, set up in primary care networks and, and actually uh, for once specifically funded to do so. Um, does that perhaps open an opportunity? Care homes, social care was mentioned specifically in that context. It was and I was very pleased with some of the things in that 10-year plan and I really hope that there will be windows of opportunity that care homes can respond to and then we can start changing things in ways that enable service users to have a better outcome and also have a better life. The problem will be that we've had lots of good plans in the past. There is a cultural problem in the NHS and NHS staff need to think differently about how services are delivered and at the moment what they do is they sit in a very blinkered space, which is if it's not provided by either the NHS itself or another public sector body, they tend to see it as not viable or not valuable. Well, actually, what they need to do is they need to look across the horizon. They need to see where services are positioned and they need to say, we are here to facilitate outcomes, not to maintain organisations. And if they looked at it in that very open way, I think the 10-year plan would give us a real opportunity to change things. The slight problem as well with 10-year plan is that there seems to be so much fragmentation within the NHS that nobody seems to be in a space where they can mandate things to be done. So what they do is they endlessly talk about encouraging or they talk about trailblazing, but they don't talk about saying this is what we want to happen and we're going to make it happen. So the cultural issues will be the impediment. Now, I'm not saying, though, that care homes should just say, well, there's a really bad culture in the NHS, so we're not going to bother engaging. What we've got to do is we've got to prove what we can do and we've got to engage at every opportunity and we need to prove that we are here as a valuable resource and we can deliver for citizens in local areas. The um, the NHS long-term plan also talked about um, removing staffing silos, interdisciplinary credentialing, which would uh, which would facilitate uh, workflow. Um, presumably this could happen at sort of high level as well as uh, as well as at coalface staff patient fate resident facing level um, and that presumably is a good thing if, if it applies to social care staff. Oh I think it's a great thing but what I would say is what we need to see is some operized, uh, uh, operating of that. So for example the NHS spends £100,000 a minute on training. Well in an integrated system it should be spending £100,000 a minute on training people for outcomes not saying we're spending £100,000 a minute and by the way it's only available to NHS staff. So you know there's a great deal of talk about these wonderful, great global objectives about integrated training, about people moving between systems. But my problem is, well, where is the operation plan that underpins that? And one of the ways in which we could do that really successfully is to say, we're not going to have health education England. What we're going to have is an organization that enables people to be trained for outcomes. So we need to start really reconfiguring how we use the money. and We need to start really thinking strategically and differently about how organizations like HEE 
really work. Yeah. So perhaps we might see uh, instead of a, 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 a GP with a special interest in diabetes, perhaps we might see a, um, you know, a GP with a special interest in social care, or we may see um, staff members with a special interest in, in other in other specialisms. Is that is that the sort of thing you, you would like to see? Yeah, I really do think that's the way forward. And I think also we need to have staff who've got a special interest in outcomes and quality of life. You know, one of the things that we're a bit obsessed by is the quality of the service. Well, actually, I want to be refocusing our agenda on the quality of the life. And like every other service, it's about how it underpins a good quality life for the citizen. So whatever the service is, whether it's a health service, a social care service, a transport service, you know, it should be about saying this is the infrastructure on which people build a good life. And that should be available to everybody. So uh, in your in your presentation to the Westminster Forum and uh, on our story, which uh, on our article on your presentation, which we published online on January the 16th, um, you drew an analogy with the airline industry. And, and we illustrated that with a picture of a, an airplane, uh, airplane wing. I think I think I'm also thinking about my summer holidays as, as it's a cold day today. But uh, is that is that why you've drawn the analogy with the with the with the air? air airline industry that you know they, they don't think about flying a plane they think about flying people safely to their their destination and and there's a whole raft of things that underpin that yes exactly and you know as i sit in my airplane seat i go from austrian airspace to german airspace there's this enormous change in the structure in the personnel and in the way in which that happens in those two countries but as a passenger what i do is have a seamless flight from a to b and that has to be the holy grail of how we judge whether integration works. We've got to start saying, is this about the organizations? No, this is about the experience of the person who is at the center, and that is the person who uses the service. Absolutely. Keeping patients uh, keeping patients and residents at the center rather than uh, organizations. So um, so just thinking now about uh, the summer, which, uh, you know, I say on a cold day like today is a very attractive, uh, very attractive prospect. Um, you, have a, you have your, uh, we have the care home, the annual care home open day coming up in June um, and uh, I know that Care England takes a very uh, a, a very important role in that and um, what what in your opinion makes a good care home open day well I think one of the things that we wanted to do in developing the care home open day was remind people that care homes are in communities and they shouldn't be isolated from those communities there is the opportunity for them to be at the center of the community and I'm particularly pleased that this initiative we're working with the National Care Forum and with NAPA the activities uh, or, or providers association because we really want all of us to see care homes at the center of low communities and the more you open your doors the more people understand what goes on in care settings then the more they'll engage with them and also some of the stigmas that are around in society from people who have negative views about care is because they don't know what goes on there and they have a view of a care home which is based in something that would be happening in 1960 mm. not something that's happening in 2019. So I think what our real hope was that people would engage and also there's so much good stuff going on in care homes and the Care Home Open Day really champions that. It's a great moment
moment for people in care homes to connect with their local community, for staff to showcase what the quality of life's like, for people to talk to people who are living in care homes. And that's a really good way of undermining some of the negative myth. Now, I was talking to a lady recently who'd moved into a care home, and she said to me that having lived uh, in her large house very in a very isolated way, suddenly she'd come into the care home and she said to me, it's a different life and it's a new life. And she'd done things that she said she'd never done for the last eight years because she couldn't get out. And suddenly the care home was engaging her in going to the theatre and doing things in a local area, which she'd never done when she was at home. So I think, you know, hearing those messages is really important. And uh, will you be visiting any care homes uh, for Care Home Day or sending in mystery shoppers just to make sure our homes are doing what we'd like them to do? Yeah, I certainly will be visiting care homes. And I, I have to say, I visit about four care homes a month anyway. But I love going to Care Home Open Day. And I really see the enjoyment that it brings. And I see the activities that people are doing. And I join in and I talk to residents and I talk to staff and I talk to families. And I also talk to people who probably for the first time gone through the door of a care home. And I went to a care home um, uh, last year and it was um, in a local area. And there were two women there who lived very close by and never been in. And they said they didn't know what happened here. And they brought their two young children. And it was a really good opportunity for them to connect with their neighbours that they'd never known before. And I thought the fact that one of them said to me, oh, I should come back because I've been chatting to this lady about what it used to be like in this area uh, 40 years ago. And I really wanted to continue the conversation. And those are small connections that make big differences. Absolutely. I have to say it's one of the one of the favourite, my favourite things about the job that I do is that I get to go and visit some care homes too. And, uh, it, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful experience. You, I, I personally come away how, feeling how impressed I am with the staff that, uh, you know, they, they have a smile on their, their face and they, they're just the, the loveliest people to spend time with. And um, just finally, if care homes, if some care homes are wanting to get involved but aren't quite sure what to do, presumably your website's a very good place to start. It certainly is. And we would encourage people to um, engage with Care Home Open Day. And I don't care whether they're Care England members or not. You know, if you're running a care home, you want to get involved in Care Home Open Day, please get involved. And I know that my colleagues at the National Care Forum and at the Activity uh, Providers Association are similarly of the view. We're not precious about this, but we want everybody to engage. And we really want people to start thinking differently about care homes. And the way that happens is people get a better understanding of them. And we're not prescriptive about what we want people to do. So we would say, do what you think is right for your care home in your area. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much, Professor Green. Really appreciate your time. Uh, Care England are online at careengland.org.uk. So uh, anybody that would like more information on Care Home Open Day, please go to the website and, and you'll find everything you need there. You're listening to the Care Home Management Magazine Podcast. Well, Alan, that was interesting, wasn't it? Elsa's chat with uh, Professor Green. Uh, this Green paper, I was at, the, at that Westminster Health uh, Forum where they announced hopefully April is going to be the time that we finally see the Green paper. And he was hoping for something this visionary and, and radical. But hearing him there, he's maybe not so confident it will be uh, radical. What did you think from what he was saying? I think he's right. I think it, visionary and radical does not normally come with <laughs> Green papers. And I think he's absolutely right that the care home industry itself has got to take a lead in this and suggest other things that it can do that is genuinely uh, radical. Things like offering night support, uh, things like offering daycare in some cases, um, partnership with charities, partnership with industry as well. Why not, I've heard it said, why not have a cost of coffee within a care home? 
home that brings people in from outside all those kind of things i think it's up to the care homes to do it and there, there is the entrepreneurship there to make yeah. it work it's, it's that whole thinking i mean he, he, he touched on it didn't it if, if it isn't from the public sector it's maybe people a bit suspicious of it or whatever but being innovative and creative and as you said being quite entrepreneurial to try and work with the community because he was talking about being the hub for the management of long-term conditions and with care home open day the whole that, that it seems to be moving in that direction that it is i suppose getting that change of mindset isn't it i think that's right and i think the mindset will come uh, this sort of old-fashioned idea that must be public sector good private sector bad it's a question of all sectors working together and as he says the important thing is to facilitate good outcomes wherever that comes from uh, and make that never lose sight of the fact of the people that you're providing the care for welcome to the wonderful world of myaco at Myaco, we're committed to developing the tools to make managing your business simpler. Whether your goal is to revolutionize your training program, reduce your staff turnover, improve employee communications, or simply to save time on your tasks each day, Myaco is here to help 24-7, whenever and wherever you are. Sales at myaco.com 01202 Yes, our thanks to our sponsors, MyEco, Learning and Employee Engagement, Made Easy. Well, now, longevity is an important consideration in the care home business. Some providers come, some providers go, as we all well know. But one company that's been around now for almost 20 years is Exemplar Healthcare. They cover a wide range of services, including dementia and mental health care. And one person who's been with them for almost that entire period of 20 years is Amanda Lighton. She's the operations director and I caught up with her recently. Well, Amanda, nice to have you on the podcast with us. You've got quite a lengthy background in Exemplar, 20 years old this year, but you've been there very nearly since the word go, haven't you? Yeah, 15 years um, with the company. So I first started in 2003 um, as a staff nurse in our first uh, purpose-built service, Greenside Court. Um, a real refreshing service to walk into, um, actually being able to nurse, uh, spend time with service users and um, exciting really um so my career progressed from that point moved up to unit manager within that service and then clinical nurse manager um really really uh, setting up the services within there for uh, ventilated care um, first service that we had that was able to take people that were very very complex from uh, acute wards into community settings so again uh, an exciting challenge um progressed there on to uh, Dernvale, which is our um, home in barnsley um, I think this probably was one of the most rewarding positions I've ever taken within the within the company because I got an opportunity there to manage a service, very much complex care again, uh, but build a team of people that were, um, you know, uh, motivated and passionate to deliver that care um, and I'd be part of a truly inspirational team, really, um, that's still there today. And, and Durnvale uh, last year did get an outstanding as well with CQC, so that's also really exciting for us. Um, and then 2010, decided to move into the operations department. Um, I was able then to support, obviously, the um, portfolio of services uh, to exceed and, and, and strive for that um, outstanding and, and, and sort of uh, move standards to that way. Um, 2015, then I moved on to the board of directors. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's great for us. We work with a really like-minded group of people, a really fast pace to meet the needs of those um, service users um, and uh, always sort of putting the people first. So 
you know, really enjoying and excited by what we do at the moment. Things have changed a lot over those 20 years and things have moved pretty quickly over those 20 years. And because I think Exemplar started just as a training company, wasn't it? Is that how it began? Yeah. So in 1999, uh, Exemplar supported nurses, overseas nurses to come through and do adaptation nursing. Um, so it was really based around that. And then we moved then in 2003 to open our first specialist unit, which, like I say, was Greenside Court. And the Greenside was based around um, seeing people that were placed, young adults placed in elderly services um, and not having their needs met at that time. And our founder of Ex- Exemplar uh, went out on a, on a, a journey really to, to uh, produce a service and produce services that were able to manage people with younger um, needs uh, and in, in the right environment. So that's how and how it's developed over the last 20 years. Uh, we've been able to develop our nursing into um, mental health nursing, learning disability and general nurses and bring that MDT together. It is a really wide spectrum you cover, isn't it? From autism, dementia, mental health, as you mentioned, brain injury. Uh, is it almost too wide? Can you really cope with all that? Have you got all the necessary skills on board to do it? Anybody looking at the portfolio of homes would ask the same question. Um, but what we're about is the community fit. So when we go out to see a service user and spend that time assessing the people's needs and what we need to do, it's very much about putting the people's fits together. So we don't just look at the people's mental health or physical needs. We're looking about what does that pe- person want to do? Um, you know, what, where is their aspirations, their goals in life? And naturally, does that fit with the people that they're going to be living with? Um, so yes, absolutely. We've got a range of needs and a range of complex um, abilities and disabilities on, on, on the units where we nurse but it's certainly about the people and that fit of personalities together. And I would imagine working with the families must be very important. What sort of processes do you have lined up to to deal with that? Absolute vital part of what we do um, and a really rewarding part of what we do, really. Um, Our our support plans, our packages of care all involve that family and friends circle. So a lot of our families will come in to support on activities, or they'll come in to support with care packages. Um, you know, we've got a lot of families that even when their loved one has passed away within our services, they still come back and visit us. It becomes sort of part of their family as well. Um, so we, we certainly have that that circle. And as far as Exemplar is concerned at the moment, with this big growth you've had over 20 years, do you have a, a particular main point of focus at the moment? Yeah, so our focus at the moment, like always, is obviously delivering that high quality care to the service users. We uh, opened our newest service late view which is obviously going great at the moment really high demand for those services so we're also on a, a vision really to our growth We've got new services coming up over in castleford leeds again in uh, liverpool it really trying to meet the demands of what's out there to be able to support either um, complex mental health or physical disabilities and also obviously great career opportunities for people to join us as well. And you've concentrated very much on the, did I say the Midlands upwards and then Yorkshire and Lancashire. Uh, any plans to go further afield? Yeah, so we've got plans in place at the moment, maybe around Cheshire area, supporting Birmingham as well a little bit more. Um, so really where we can link up, it's very important to us to be able to have those links with our original services so we can ensure that the service themselves have that support in place to be able to uh, sort of depend on if we need that. You obviously started very much at ground level all those years ago. Has the delivery of care changed very much in that time? Yeah, so clinical care itself, I think we were always striving for that person-centred delivery of care and 
Um, although obviously um, we're still in that position now, we're asked even more now by our regulators to ensure that we evidence that. We're sort of making sure that obviously we've got really good evidence that we are delivering that uh, person-centred centered care. I think I've massively seen advances in um, assisted technology to support us within our roles clinically. Um, and that's that's been great to see. I think it's given us the ability to be able to move forward on our, our path of, of um, one care, uh, where we are at the moment, our enablement um, pathways. And so quite an exciting time really for that delivery of care. And what are the main challenges that you face at the moment? Because I would imagine funding is always going to be an issue, isn't it? Yeah, certainly. I mean, that's not really changed over the last 20 years. I think we've always had those challenges and they're still there. But certainly um, the people that we um, look after and the commissioners um, and local authorities that we work with um, do see the value in what Exemplar delivers out into the market. And very much they see the value of, you know, no returns back to hospitals, less failed placements. Um, So we, we do get those values as well. I think another challenge is making sure people are aware of us. We still come across people that say exemplar and you know we're educating them about what we do we're spending a lot of time at the moment going out and doing educational days for professionals and, and we and we've got plans to continue that through 2019 so even though you've been going for 20 years there's still an educational job to be done oh absolutely yeah which is which is the most exciting part for me i think we all learn something either from other providers or from internally from ourselves every day um, and I, th- I think, you know, we, we still come across people with needs that we've, we've never nursed before. And we, you know, we've got, we've got to go out and find out how we're going to do that. There, there's, there's nothing really that um, would phase us that we can't do. We've just got to find a way of achieving it. Um, and we work with a fantastic team that are able to do that. Most organisations like yours say the toughest job is staffing, where to find those, those valuable people. Is that the case in, in your area as well? Yeah, it certainly is a challenge. Um, we're, we're, we're like any other provider. We have challenge around finding the nurses at the moment. Um, any other provider and the NHS are struggling at the moment. However, I think um, we've also got a great base of staff that have been with us over that 20 years um, and are still with us today. Um, we have a great support support and training as well uh, and networks to be able to develop our staff to, to retain with us uh, and develop within that role. I think I'm a good example of that. And I think obviously staff that have worked with me for a long time see that as a good example and strive for career progression within us. And with your career progression, of course, it's always the problem for everybody that the higher up a ladder you go, the further away you tend to get from the front line. Do you miss those uh, those, those interactions with uh, with patients on a day-to-day basis? You know, I don't, I, I, I don't miss them at all because we still get to go out into those services. You know, um, Ewan um, certainly is an advocate of all the directors going out into the homes. Our best days are those days where we go out into those homes and all of the directors are, are, are we're always doing that so I, I can't say I miss it because we still do it and it, and I, I get a great opportunity to also go and do the nice bits I get to go and do lots of activities and sit and chat to service users without actually having to go and do all the other bits of the paperwork with it so actually I'm probably really lucky that I get all the exciting parts of that so with the crystal ball firmly in place the next 20 years how do you see the, the service developing so i think you know we, we will continue on growth there is a great demand for what we do which is fantastic so we will we will continue to see that grow and become stronger exemplar will have more outstanding services as we move forward we're on a great path to be able to do that and achieve that and the ethos and vision of exemplar is what makes it special and after 20 years it's still there um, and you know that's driven by the people that work with us and, and even after 
after 15 years, I'm still excited every day about what we achieve um, and, uh, you know, what we're going to achieve in our new services. Are you a care home supplier? Reach thousands of potential customers. For details of how to advertise, visit chmonline.co.uk. Well, that's a, a great story, uh, Alan. Uh, very interesting what Amanda was saying. To see someone who started in this industry as a nurse and she's worked her way up, she's now on the board of directors and she still seems to have, as she was saying, this motivation and passion to, to deliver care. Um, do you think she's a, a, a rare sort of uh, beast in this industry? I think, sadly, she might be, but I'd like to see more following her path. I think the, the career opportunities for people coming in at carer level uh, are there if companies will encourage them to uh, to take that next step forward and as she says she's not losing contact with the coalface she's out there regularly in care homes and enjoying uh, the work that goes on in care homes still although she's at board level so I, I think it's very important that care home companies offer employees that chance of progression and it was quite interesting you picked up on the fact that they offer such a wide range of different areas and some people will say well how can you really be specialist in so many things but she was saying that is possible and it was all about fitting in with what the community needed that's absolutely right they're very keen at exemplar to be part of their own communities and one community may have a shortage and need care perhaps for autism another one may need care for dementia wherever it may be uh, exemplar have been very good at slotting in the right services in the right places Time for our third uh, interview and final interview of the third Care Home Management Magazine podcast. And uh, as you know, it's sponsored kindly by myaco.com, learning and employee engagement made easy. Our final interview on the third uh, Care Home Management Magazine podcast is with uh, Taruna Chauhan. She is an improvement consultant uh, working with care home managers to help them with their CQC inspections and also helping them with their day-to-day running of their care homes, helping them with... uh, areas they can improve on such as uh, delegation. Uh, Trina, thank you for joining us. Now, what exactly is an improvement consultant and what do you do? Well, what I do is I work with registered managers or and the owners to have a look at where they are in their business at the minute. So it could be maybe they've not had a very good inspection. So I look at what the report looks like and where the gaps are and then have a look at where they can make improvements. So we sit down and we put an action plan in place. Um, If they're at the beginning of their journey, then it's about mentoring them to have an effective business from day one so that by the time they come to their 12-month inspection, they've actually got effective processes in place and they're doing the right audits. Right. So you talk about mentoring there, which is something maybe a lot of managers and people listening might might not have considered uh, mentoring. Uh, I mean... Why? What are the real benefits of having a mentor? I think you, you've spoken in the past about how it can sort of empower people in, in the workplace. But why is it important? And, and what is the real role of a mentor? What a mentor does is helps the, the 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 registered manager to look at the business objectively, but also starts to talk to them about how many plates are there actually spinning. And if it's more than three, then they they're doing a lot of tasks that perhaps they could delegate. Yeah. What so sort of things? What sort of things? Are we talking about when you say sort of spinning plates and doing different yeah so sometimes they end up doing everything so they'll end up doing the auditing the rotors uh doing the on call you know if there's like 10 audits to do they'll end up doing all the audits rather than delegate them to senior managers or senior care workers uh, for example when i was uh looking at one manager who was going away on holiday and she was getting anxious because she wasn't sure 
Harry would carry on working without her. So I had a look at her staff and what their areas of expertise were. And then we delegated the task according to those. So she went away on holiday knowing that things would happen. And the staff, we sat down with them and we told them what our expectations were of what should be happening in her absence. And that really helped. But because before we did that, the last time she went on holiday, she came back and nothing had been done. You know, when you go on holiday, you don't want to be worrying about work. Uh, so by the staff knowing what their expectations were, what they had to do, understanding why they had to do things that they didn't normally do while the manager was away, it helped everybody. So that's mm. the sort of thing a mentor can help with. I mean, with a mentor, how often would you sit down with, with somebody? Is it an, uh, an ongoing process or do you just come in, as you say, they might have, a, have had a, a difficult CQC inspection? Um, what, when do you get called in and how long do you stay as a mentor? I suppose? It's at different um, times times in their journey so at the moment I'm mentoring two businesses who are new providers and okay. so that's right from the start of their journey and the reason I do that is because I've seen so many new businesses fail after the first year because they're good at doing the caring side mm. but they've never run a business so mm. they're not quite sure how to meet the standards of CQC but also to run a business so I align both and I work with them mm. uh, because I help them with their applications as well so okay. once the application's done and they've been validated by the CQC and then I start my mentoring sessions with them. We do it for up to six months because you have to have time for actions to happen, uh, do reviews, coming back. So uh, being a member of the Association of Business Mentors, we're always told that work with businesses for at least six months. Everybody's mentoring journey is going to be different because if I'm looking at a startup business compared to a business that's been going for a while but they're having a few issues, that's going to be different. So I sit down with them and really ascertain what they want to get out of mentoring and it's a two-way thing and you also um can help them with other things can't you like recruitment retention which are really big areas in care homes at the moment and succession planning so on the staffing side what can your role be there how do you how do you help i, I get them to look at have they got the, the right amount of staffing for the dependency of their clients help them to look at values-based recruitment which is important because if you're not recruiting people who have the similar kind of values to your organization they won't stay long so to reduce turnover you really need to take a step back and look at what are your values and then when you're doing the recruiting is making sure that your all the advertisements and promotions for staffing is aligned to your values because you can't teach people values and attitudes you can teach them you know how to do medicines management that's the easy part in a way Uh, but you need to get staff into your organization uh, with the right values and really get to the crux of what their value and culture is of the organisation and that's really important because sometimes you're so busy doing the doing you forget what is your vision for your organisation in the long term. I like to work on 12-month plans with them because it's really hard to look at two years, three years because in every business is evolving. Um, If they're a care home, are they managing the nutrition and hydration of their clients? So we do delve into it. So it's about aligning the business goals with what uh, CQC are looking for. Brilliant. Excellent. Thank you very much. And so if people want to find out more about you and your services, um, where can they find more information? Uh, 
Well, there's different things. They can find me on my uh, website. I also have a company uh, page on Facebook, so they can find me that way. We need to be a good fit because I'll be working with them a long time. So that's mm. important as well. Mm. Okay. Just uh, do you want to give that website address and if you just want to spell your surname so people can find you? Yeah, it's www.tchohanconsultancy.co.uk. So T Chohan, Chohan is C-H- a-U-H-A-N and then the word consultancy. Brilliant, excellent. Well, Therese, thank you very much. It's very, very interesting and um, I think a lot of our listeners and the readers of the magazine um, will could be- definitely benefit from some mentoring and, and your advice. So uh, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. So that just about brings us to the end of this a third edition of our podcast. Our thanks to Taruna Chowan and to also Martin Green from Care England and Amanda Lighton from Exemplar Healthcare. And also thanks, of course, to myeco.com, our sponsors. Yeah, it's been a great uh, podcast, Alan, hasn't it? It's really interesting people on this time, as uh, as always. Thank you for all of you for listening. It's not just the podcast. We have the printed magazine, a care home management magazine. As I said earlier, if you want to copy, please get in touch via our website chmonline.co.uk and if you are a care home supplier you can always uh, advertise through our magazine and website as well that's about it thank you for listening we will be back in a few weeks time